You may be seated. So we're not weary in well-doing. You know, a few termites are not going <laughs> to cause Brenda and I to leave the Bay Area. There's been some ites in years past and decades past that would try to get us out of the Bay Area. But we're not moved by termites. Amen. Or Hittites. Or any other ites. Amen. We're pleased and grateful to have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. How about you? And I believe firmly that our finest days as a church and our finest days individually are right now. And they're ahead of us. Amen. Amen? I believe that with all of my heart. Now I want to continue as we prepare our hearts to receive communion today. I want to talk a little while longer about blood-bought benefits. We found that one of the greatest benefit of being purchased by His blood is being put into right standing with Him. See, faith in His blood justifies you. And then right along with put into, being put into right standing with God by His blood, God has imparted boldness to you. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 1, that the righteous are bold as a lion. And there's three basic areas that we can be bold toward. Number one, we can be bold, amen, toward the throne of grace. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace with a sense of... Of belonging. And we'll talk a little while about that a little bit later. But then we can also be bold toward the devil. Remember last week we talked about checkmate? And everyone was going, I don't think so. Why is that? Because the king has one more move. Amen? When hell screams into your soul, checkmate, there's no way out, just like they do in that game of chess. When they say checkmate, that means the king has no more moves. But in the realm of the spirit, our king always has one more move. Amen. So you and I then, we can be very bold toward the devil. And then we can be very bold toward man. You know, Jesus was never intimidated by Satan. Proverbs 29, 25 says that the righteous are bold as a lion. Or it says the fear of man brings a snare. Fear of man brings a snare. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord, that person is safe. Now how many of you know that Peter at one time in his life was a denier? But on the day of Pentecost, he turned into Peter the preacher and Peter the prophesier. And he was a man of prayer. And when him and John went by the gate, beautiful, there was this beggar asking alms. And he said, we don't have silver and gold, but such as we have, we give you thee. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that man that was lame, the Bible says he went walking and leaping and praising God. Try that sometime. It'll do you some good. Walking and leaping and praising God. And then they were taken into question. You know, how did this happen? We thought we put Jesus in the grave. Now, you shouldn't be preaching that name anymore. We just want you to shut up and be good little church boys, be good little choir boys, and don't speak anymore at all in that name. (laughs) Because they're afraid of that name. I want you to look at Acts chapter 4, if you would. And... uh, I want you to notice 
In chapter 4, verses 8 through 13 of Acts, everyone say, I'm bold before the throne. I'm bold before the devil. And I'm bold before men. Boldness shows no disrespect for man. It shows no disrespect for the Father. It does show disrespect toward the devil. But boldness honors the Lord. And you honor men. And you want to get along with men. But you know what? You don't have to cow down to man. When man is telling their dirty jokes, you don't have to stick around. When man is using lousy language, you don't have to stick around. Come on, somebody. The Bible says we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 13. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, verse 9, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man among you, by what means he is made whole, verse 10, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. Verse 11. This is the stone which set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now I want you to notice verse 13 is the key point here. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, the boldness that they saw was discernible and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They weren't educated, but they saw something on them that was recognizable. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Though they were certainly still human beings, there was something emanating from their lives. It was the presence of Jesus. It was the power of Jesus. It was the boldness of Jesus. It was the anointing of Jesus. It was the presence of God on the scene. And listen, what are they saying about our lives? Recognize this. That our lives are a three-dimensional, life-size, living color portrayal of Him. You are men and women of God. And men and women of God should portray their Master. In the second century, there was a Roman governor by the name of Pliny. And he wrote to his emperor... And he asked him, what are we to do with these Christians? The Christian had been brought before him and he couldn't really find any fault in him. So he thought, what am I supposed to do? And so the governor stood up before the Christian and said, I'm going to banish you. And the Christian said, you cannot. For all the world is my father's house. He says, then I will slay you. The Christian says, you can't. For my life is hid. With Christ in God. He says, okay, I'm going to take all your possessions. He says, you cannot, for my treasure is in heaven. He says, all right, then I'm going, to, I'm going to drive you away from man, and you shall have no friend left. You cannot, he said, 
For I have an unseen friend from whom you are not able to separate me. He was bold before man. I want to talk to you about a couple of words today. Propitiation and mercy seat. I want you to look at Romans chapter 3, verse 24 and 25 in the Amplified. And I want you to, to see some things in what the blood has done for you and it has done for me. Hallelujah. In Romans 3, 24, it says, All are justified and made upright in right standing with God. Freely and gratuitously by His grace, His unmerited favor and mercy through the redemption which is provided in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, read it with me. Whom God put forward before the eyes of all as a mercy seat and propitiation by His blood. Now stop right there. Notice with me, The word propitiation. Everyone say propitiation. Propitiation. What this is saying is that we have this through the blood of Jesus. And what propitiation literally means to you and I is it means we have been restored to fellowship. We have been restored to friendship. And we have been restored to favor with Him. I am a friend of God. I don't care who doesn't like that song. I am a friend of God. I know I'm an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, but I am still a friend of God. How about you? Have we got any friends with God? Well, I don't feel like he's my friend. Well, show yourself friendly. Oh, now, wait a minute now. That'll preach right there. If you want to be a friend with God, why don't you draw near to God? Draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. Show yourself friendly. He's restored you. Friendship. Fellowship. Somebody says, I'm out of fellowship. Well, repent. The blood of Jesus will get you back into fellowship. Amen. Now, there's another phrase in here. Mercy seat. Everyone say mercy seat. Now, in the Old Covenant... The mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant was the place where where priests would apply the blood for the sacrifices. It was also a place of glory and of presence. The mercy seat in the Old Covenant was a physical location where God said, I will meet you there and I will commune with you there. Oh, God wants communion with His people. Well, how many of you know that in the New Testament... We can enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus and commune with Him anytime we want. I love it. You don't even need an appointment. I've sent up appointments with some people that have said, well, they're not available for six months. I said, okay, see you later. No, thank God. We can go to God anytime. Say with me, my faith in the blood is a means... Where God brings His blessing and His blessing, blessings into my life. Now, how many of you know you've got to discipline yourself to go into the throne of grace? Because you can't really see God, can you? That's why you have to take it by faith. You've got to put your flesh under and press in to the very presence of Almighty God. Now, think about this for a moment. The presence of God is not only a place of communion, 
But it is also a place of reception. Reception. You know, in, there's times in my life where I got needs. There's times in your life where you have an issue. Matter of fact, I don't know many people that don't have issues. But seriously, seriously, we have needs, right? And that's why he says, come boldly to the throne of grace. To obtain help in your time of need. We could say it this way. The throne of grace is our getting place. It's our receiving place. It's like the lady, you know, she would go to town and and she'd say, I'm going to the getting place. Well, what are you going to get at the getting place? You know, Brenda goes to the getting place often. And I have discovered that I can go to the getting place with her and I can get in on it too. We had a glorious weekend. She was down in the Poma preaching Saturday and we, we did a little birthday celebration down in Pismo. But you know what I'm saying, holding hands and, you know, eating good food and going to the outlets. Yes, I said outlets. You see, the outlets are her getting place. I got me some new jeans, some new shoes. Oh, Shandai. Hallelujah. And I got them on sale. You got a pair of shoes for what? Honey, how much were those shoes by the time you left? Twelve bucks. Well, I got one pair for twelve, but I got three pairs for 120. She got three pair of shoes for $120. The getting place. So this lady would go to town, you know, and she'd, where you go? I'm going to the getting place. What are you going to get? I'm going to get me some new dishes. I'm going to get me some new clothes. I'm going to get my hair done. Where'd you get that? I got it at the getting place. Woo! Come on, somebody. Well, the presence of God is our getting place. Because we are members of the family of God. Now, don't look at me in that holy, dignified tone of voice today. God doesn't mind you having stuff. What he minds is stuff having you. You might as well take your faith and get your stuff. Because if you don't get your stuff, somebody else is going to get your stuff. And this is the stuff that you can get your stuff with. I mean, let's face it. We live in a real world, right? Listen to this. Faith in the blood of Jesus, it grants us access to heaven's economy and resources. Welcome to heaven's economy where the angels are on assignment on your behalf. So whether it be direction or strength or mercy, you can get it at the getting place. And God will reward your faith. You see, it's so true. The Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus and he prayed that the eyes of their understanding would be flooded with light. That they would get a glimpse of this glorious inheritance that God has provided for those who are in Him and for those that we believe. Everyone say inheritance. Anybody ever read Forbes magazine before? Well, there was an article years ago in Forbes magazine about 400 billionaires. I didn't say millionaires. I said billionaires in the United States. And it was observing how these billionaires made their money. Some of them got their wealth through technology. Others got their wealth through oil. Some got their wealth through entertainment. Let me 
ask you a question. Would it bother you if you had a son or daughter that created an app that made them a billionaire? Would you call your friends on the phone? Oh, God, pray for me. My son's a billionaire. You then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your father which in heaven good, good things to them that ask? I like it when my kids do well. How about you? Billionaire? Hey, spare change? Remember Papa? And sure enough, remember Grammy. But anyway, there were three people that had nothing by their name and each of them were worth 3.7 billion. Three sons. And all it said by their name was inheritance. They didn't have anything to do with their wealth. They were born into it. And you are a child of God. And written next to your name, hallelujah, is inheritance in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Many are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. The Scripture says in Romans 8, 16, let me just quote it to you for the sake of time. It says, and if you're a child of God, then you're an heir of God. And you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Amen. Lift your hands and say, I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I didn't ask you whether you feel like it or not. I didn't ask you whether you have any money or not. You may not have a penny, but you are still somebody with an inheritance in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says we're to be thankful for it. He says, give thanks to the Father which is able to make us, to give us an inheritance in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I, I found out this, that the dictionary, do you know there's good things in the dictionary? I found out that the dictionary defines heir, listen to this, as an equal possession because of equal position. Equal possession because of equal position. Now, here is the difficulty. Here is the issue. A lot of Christians are out of position. Well, yeah, they're, they're raised up together. Yes, they're heirs. Yes, they're joint heirs. But they have taken themselves out of position to receive what God's got for them. Amen. Now, it's football season, right? Yes. Niners and Packers 125. I'm aware of that. <laughs> I understand all that. Okay? But in football... There is something called a receiver. And a receiver is a tight end or an end who runs and does routes. To receive the pigskin. I watched a nifty move last night, Notre Dame. Did you see that guy in the end zone? He went this way and then got turned around. Touchdown. Now, the quarterback is calling the plays. They spend months and years learning the playbook. Now, 
If a receiver says, I know that's the play, but I'm going to go my own way. (laughs) Now, a lot of tragedy can happen when the receiver decides to do his own thing, run his own way, and go his own route. The ball can get intercepted. The quarterback, I'm a lefty. The quarterback can be looking for him. He's supposed to be over there and he's doing his own thing over there. He's looking that way. And five grown men, 450 pounds, take his head off. Concussion. Out of play. Us going our own way can have a negative impact on others on our team. Come on. Going our own way, running our own routes because we're too stupid or too proud to go the way of Yahweh can be life-destroying. It can be career-ending for an NFL person. And it's very dangerous. Then the Lord showed me something else. I just minded my own business and I saw these words out of position. And he showed me something else. That this playbook that they are given in the NFL is to be studied. They are to be extremely familiar with it. You see, if someone goes out on the field today playing for the Raiders, and hasn't studied the playbook, the quarterback says, okay, we're going to run this. And he doesn't have a clue on what he's trying to do. He's not going to receive. And there's a lot of Christians, they're not familiar enough with the God book. Where there is no vision, where there is no redemptive revelation, my people are destroyed. My people go into captivity. Are you listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying? And so just as it is easy to get out of position, you can get in position. Be in submission to the quarterback. Be in submission to the Word of God. Run the plays that God tells you to run. Don't get into doing your own thing. It's dangerous. Then the Lord showed me something else. You do not get into the NFL by being a wimp. You don't. I mean, think about it. Who's the quarterback for the Niners? Kaepernick. Kaepernick. So Kaepernick calls a play. And who's one of the in? Vernon Davis. And Vernon says, Oh, I... I don't know. I'm not worthy. I I just don't know. I know it's third and ten, and we're only ten yards away from a tub, but I just don't know. How do you think that would fly with Harbaugh? He'd be out of there. Did you know that an unworthy consciousness will rob you from getting your prayers answered. It'll rob you from receiving from the Lord. And so, why don't we just turn it around? 
Why don't we know that because God is good and by faith we can run the plays that He tells us to run, we can receive because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, no fear here. I'm running with Him. And He's running with me. Hallelujah. Now, are you ready for a little bit more? Not a lot more. But are you ready for some more today? How many got your receivers out? Go like this. You know, another thing a receiver doesn't do is look out in the crowd and grandstand. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Punk. How many of you know pride goes before a fall? You want to stay in the game? Stay humble. Oh, Roberts said, be little, stay little in your own eyes. Despise not the day of small beginnings. Give God all the glory and all of the honor, and he will lift you up. If you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up. Now, the blood of Jesus is supernatural. Say it with me, the blood. Of the Lord. Lord. It's supernatural. See, Adam's blood was contaminated by sin. And it passed on to the whole human race. That's why faith in his blood and the application of his lordship over our lives by inviting him in removes the contamination from our lives and causes us to be brand new in him. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if any man or any woman be in Christ. Hallelujah. Vern, aren't you glad you're in Christ? I'm glad I'm in Christ. See, I used to be in Mark. And in Mark, my life was a mess. In Jimmy, you were down there singing at the devil's den. Down there in New Orleans. Singing the blues at the devil's den. The only good thing that came out of the devil's den was Pat, your wife. You know that. I could point a few more of you out, but I'll save you. <laughs> Woo! See, in Jimmy, in Mark, in Tony, in Brother Luot, in Brother Sam, we were all on our way to hell. Every one of us. On our way to hell in a handbasket. It don't matter whether you went to church. Being in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a Mercedes Benz. Isn't that right, Paul? I don't even ask, I don't even want to know what you were before Christ. 
You're still kind of a mess. I mean, but... <laughs> no, you know I'm kidding. I can pick on Paul because I love Paul. Look back there at Todd, man. Out of Christ, he was on his way to hell, just like I was. But thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. The blood took you out of a communist country. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah! It's because of the blood. It's because of the blood that this nation will not go down the tubes. It's because of the blood that the church will not be hiding in a cave, eating food out of a jar for months on end. Save your money. Don't buy the water. Don't buy the six-month tribulation food. Save your money. Give it to the church. We are not going under. We are not going under. We are going over because we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Woo! Thank you, Lord. If any man be in Christ, Mark, you're in Christ. He's giving you all those things that you have in your heart. You're in Christ. In yourself, you're nothing. In ourselves, we're nothing. We don't know nothing. We can't do nothing. But we are not in ourselves. We are now in Christ. Christ is in us. The hope of glory. Brother Richard, those gifts that he's placed on the inside of you, those gifts came from Christ. Frankie, those gifts come from Christ. I'm in Christ. You're in Christ. It's the hope of glory. Hallelujah. You look 100% better in Christ than you were out of Christ. At 25 years old, I look like a 60-year-old man. I look better at going on 63 years old than I did at 25. Because sin had taken its course. Sin will beat you up and use you and spit you out. The devil does not care one thing about you. But Jesus took you into his family. Put his loving arms around you. He said, son, daughter, I've been waiting on you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. My hand is upon you. I got things for you to do. I got places for you to go. You trust me and I'll take you all the way to the finish line. Come on, somebody shout in this Holy Ghost church. Woo! If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Hallelujah. I don't have to live like the old man because now I'm a new man. I don't have to drink what I used to drink. I don't have to smoke what I used to smoke. I don't have to shoot what I used to shoot. I'm now in him and he is in me. Amen. And you are too. And you know something else? You're so much smarter now than you've ever been. You talk about him quickening your 
soul and making you quick and sharp and bright. As covenant kids, we should be brighter than all of them. I like to shout just a little while longer. But let me close with this illustration. I am not looking at a barnyard here today full of mules. I'm looking at a field full of spiritual thoroughbreds. And you know why? Because you and I, we come from the bloodline of a champion. The champion who thought the enemy had him down. The champion hurled back the hosts of darkness, triumphed over them in his own backyard and rose and said, all hell, I'm alive and I've got the keys of hell and death. We got supernatural royal blood flowing through our veins. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Yes, you're peculiar to the world, but they're mighty strange to us. We're an oddity to the world when they see us prospering and they're trying to make it. The word peculiar means we are a purchased possession. Purchased by the blood. That we should, who are born not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. We that are born of seed that is incapable of being destroyed. Here's what we should be doing. We should show forth the praises of him. Who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Lift up your hands and start praising him. Start praising him. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Save me the blood. The blood of Jesus. Put me in the right standing with God. How many of you have ever... Seen a race on television, a horse race. You know, I think they have the Kentucky Derby, and then what else do they have? The Preakness. What else? The Belmont. They have all these different races. I don't follow horse racing so much, but uh, we used to have some jockeys in the church that took us to the to the race one time. It was fun, but but I'm told that in Lexington, Kentucky, and of course you're familiar with the Kentucky Derby. That the finest horses in the world are bred and sold. And they live on these beautiful ranches and, and feast on beautiful fields. And just the breeding, the breeding fee on a horse that has the bloodline of a champion for one horse was $600,000. 600 grand. Can you imagine that? In other words... That is what they were willing to pay if you wanted to have a colt that came from that horse. Because that colt perhaps carried within it the promise of a champion because of the bloodline. And when God looks at our lives, 
when we're born again as spiritual babies, Amen. he sees us as spiritual colts. And he says, that's my son. That's my daughter. They've got the bloodline of a champion on the inside of them. Oh, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. You're a thoroughbred in the realm of the spirit. How many of you remember the, the movie Sea Biscuit? I didn't say dog biscuit, I said Sea Biscuit. Well, you all know the story of Sea Biscuit. How many of you saw it? I was looking for it on YouTube yesterday. I was going to try to get a clip because that final minute of that race was, was just absolutely breathtaking. Considering everything that that horse had been through, the final race was on, and the manager spoke to the jockey. He says, at the right time, you just keep holding it back, holding it back a little bit. But when that other big fancy horse comes to its side and its eye catches Seabiscuit's eye, something's going to kick in and you let it go. And I can see the horses striding along together and Seabiscuit looked over and that eye caught its eye and it took off! It took off! Because it had the bloodline. Of a champion. And it beat all the other horses. And it ended up in the winner's circle. And I want to say to you this morning. That in life's race. Don't forget who you are. You're going along life. And you're just doing well. But then something comes alongside of you. It's a circumstance. And it has an eye-to-eye confrontation with you. When the circumstances of life look you right in the eye, I believe something on the inside of us ought to kick in. And that ought to spur us on to triumph over poverty, to triumph over sickness and disease. Come on, somebody. Something. I know I'm shouting, but I can't help it. Something on the inside of us rises up. And he makes our feet like hinds feet. And we run through troops. And we leap over walls. Because Jesus is the champion of the world. And he lives on the inside of you. Remember who you are? Remember where you came from and let the Spirit of the Lord come upon you. When life's circumstances get strong and heavy, you just run with Him and He will send a rushing mighty wind to attend your way. And I know that when the dust settles, you'll be at the winner's circle. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 in the message translation, let's read it together. 1 John 5, 4, ready, read. Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. You come eye to eye with a diagnosis that says you're going to die, just make the decision. You know what? That's nothing but a piece of paper. I'll not die, but I'll live and I'll declare the works of the Lord. Whose report will you believe? 
we will believe the report of the Lord. You come eye to eye with some depression in your loved ones. You say, you know what? We're not accepting that. We're going to live long. We're going to live strong. We're going to give God the glory. You're a champion in him. He loves you. Every head bowed and every eye closed.